Pablo for breakfast. People of the Pilbara. Hello and welcome to People of the Pilbara. Now this podcast series is all about you, the people of our town that make Karatha such a special place to live. And I think there's something really unique about people that come to a place maybe they've never heard of in the middle of a desert, apparently with nothing to do. But as we all know, a lot of us come for a six month to 12 month plan and end up staying a decade, like I did. (laughs) So this podcast series, we're gonna have a chat to everyday people that call Karatha home and find out what they do here, what they love about Karatha and what's next in their journey. And this week's guest is Clinton Walker. Clinton is just off the back of winning some incredible awards in tourism, and we spoke to him about where tourism is headed in Karatha and the Pilbara, what's been the journey with his tourism company, and what people learn the most when they get out on country. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a cuppa, and enjoy my chat with Clinton. Clinton, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us, mate. Not a problem. Now, we're going to dive into a whole heap of uh, stuff and, and, and find out a, a lot about you through this uh, chat. But I thought first up we could touch on something that's only just recently happened. Uh, a big congratulations. You were the winners of the gold in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tourism experiences. And you also took out the Sir David Brand Award for Excellence in Tourism at the 2023 Perth Airport WA Tourism Award. So first up, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, it was awesome to have um, the wins, and um, I um, I kind of expected to win the Aboriginal Tourism Award. I've won it before. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see it on my shirt here. <laughs> um, but I was totally shocked and surprised about winning the Sir David Brand Tourism um, Excellence in Tourism Award. Um, it's something that you know I wanted to be able to win, you know, sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. And ordinarily, you've got to be like 15, 20 years in the industry, you know, to win it. But, yeah, we did it in 10. So I was, yeah, super stoked. And um, it was really funny, actually, when we went up, because I got all the the gold winners to go up on stage. And then, you know, they choose the winner out of everybody who's Mm -hmm. won gold that night. And I was like, oh, yeah, probably going to be some Kimberley business or, you know, someone, someone else in, in, in the industry, in the, you know, across, uh, across the state. And they said, Moranga Tours. I didn't even hear the first time they called. And then they said it again. And I was like, what, me? <laughs> it was bloody hilarious. Um, and so I never had a speech or anything prepared. Um, and because normally, like, I, I never write a speech, but I've usually got something in my head to say. So I just had to like wing it properly, you know, and but I was it was good and oh, such a great night. Mm. Well, congratulations, and, I, and and it's interesting as well. Often with tourism, I think Karatha really punches above its weight because we've known a couple of other businesses uh, in the Pilbara that have won certain awards. Uh, we we do pretty good up here, consider it. Yeah, actually, um, there was a there was a, a few Pilbara businesses. It was really good to see, you know, that were coming to rep, rep our region. And I think couple had a win, um, so it's it's good to see the presence now. Like it's in the past, it's always just been either Karajini Eco Retreat, yeah, or myself, you know. Yep. And, but there was like four or five there this year, so it was really really great. Um, and in my speech, I um, I made sure that the industry was um, understood that we do have tourism here in the Pilbara. 
and that this was a win not just for our business for, but for our region and that you know it's it's not just mining up here that yeah that's that's what a lot of things that happened here is, is to do with mining but as you know when you when you live here and, and you're in the region it's it's beautiful you know mm. there's lots of awesome places you can go either on the coast or inland and and that's what I wanted to do over you know the years that I've been operating is to show people that you don't have to drive past anymore. You can actually pull in, mm-hmm. come and stay, and enjoy yourself here. And we've got lots of stuff for you to do. It's changing the image, <laughs> isn't it, of uh, the Caratha and the Pilbara to the rest of the state and the rest of Australia. Uh, so take us back. Ten, you mentioned before, 10 years you've been uh, in business now? Yeah, yep. Um, had our 10-year celebration this year um, for you know as a tourism business. And I remember when I first started... Um, it was, yeah, like, the, the, I remember reading, um, an article in the, in the Lonely Planet, actually. Oh, yeah. And it was just this scathing, oh. um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like super negative, um, article about don't waste your time basically coming to Karath and, wow. and the Pilbara. They did give Robin and Cossack a, a good little, um, um, Right, plug, yeah. yeah, but the rest was like, ah, it's, don't it's, bother. Yeah, don't bother. It's a waste of time. So I, I remember I ended up um, hitting that guy up and say, "Hey, mate, you know, <laughs> why don't you come out with me next time you're up, and I'll and I'll take you out." And funnily enough, I'm meeting with them this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Life's coming full circle. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's going to be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about tell us about that because it's a big leap uh, to go into the tourist tourism industry, and you rewind ten years ago. Uh, as you mentioned, if you if Lonely Planet is not giving Karatha a, a good mention, uh, it was a big leap of faith, I imagine, going into tourism. So what sparked that for you? Yeah. Um, so like everyone, you know, who comes to the Pilbara and I'm, you know, from here, um, I was working in mining just, just like most people. Um, what What happened was during my time working in all the different industries, mining and oil and gas and that, I found that there were all these FIFO guys coming, you know, and people were bagging out the place. And I was like, you blokes don't even know about this area. You you, you shouldn't even speak about um, the place when you don't know it. And, like, I actually know this place and there's so many great things about it. And if you're living here locally, you know, people know how good the fishing is, the beaches, Mm. the islands, all this sort of stuff. So I wanted people to be able to experience that and... I had this idea for tourism way back in 2006, um, actually. But, you know, it was just more of a pipe dream back then. But then I had this opportunity come up, you know, um, around 2012, actually. um, And I was delivering cultural awareness training. But I was like, oh, man, these guys, they're only, they're, they're sitting in four walls. They're just at work in the workplace, how are they going to experience this area if they're just in the in mm. you know this closed in space and, and they're not getting out of the uh, off site? Um, so as part of the business that I was doing, I, I wanted to take people out on country, and so that's what I ended up naming my business on country tours. So that's what ah. it means, Nguranga, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, I um, before I started, I, I wanted to get a good feel for the industry because I knew nothing about it and there was nothing around here that I could really you know look into either so like the closest people were in the Kimberley and down in Shark Bay mm-hmm. um, 
And um, so I started doing a bit of research. I went, did a lot of traveling. And then luckily there was this um, conference called the AITC, uh, Australian Indigenous Tourism Conference. And and that year they were having it in um, Alice, Alice Springs. Um, so I was like, oh, here's a great opportunity to go and learn at a conference and meet people who are in the, in the industry. So I did that. And it was just, just like, oh, one of the best decisions I made, um, super inspiring and seeing how much of these people that are out there, you know, they, they got to take people out, show them their culture, teach them, and they were living it, you know, they're, they're not just, oh, working for the man or, you know, mm-hmm. um, just being somebody else's number, you know, as, as an employee, they, they were the entrepreneurs they were their own bosses they they were able to do what that that what what it is that they wanted to do and and be passionate about you know the things that they were doing and that's exactly what I wanted so I spoke to heaps of people and then I came like came back home and I was super like rejuvenated I'm like yeah man I'm gonna make this happen and so it wasn't until the following year when I was basically ready for the next the tourism season and I and I kicked off my business you know and um yeah it wasn't like people were jumping at you kind of thing Mm -hmm. but I had support locally people were starting to come and then grey nomads who who were my main target in the beginning um they were because a lot of them, they reach out to the visitor centres and the visitor centre here in town um, was telling, oh, there's a new business in town and, and they do rock art tours. Um, it's an Aboriginal guy and um, everyone's like, oh, we'd love to go and see that, you know. We didn't even know there was rock art here, mm-hmm. you know, which is funny and you know how much rock art is <laughs> yeah. in this region. But back then no one knew anything and, and that's how it sort of started. And as I kept doing the tours, um, people were having a great experience and they just kept, through word of mouth telling others and mm. then, and, th- and that's how people were finding out because um you know these were the days when social media was just sort of growing you yeah. know and but one of the things i realized was social media was such a great tool for me being so remote it was is how i can show people and i'm like well we've got lots of beautiful places i'm gonna go and take photos of all these places i go to and then people were being captured by the images but what in in the captions itself, I was putting like lots of interesting mm. facts and stuff about Aboriginal culture, and I just drew people in, you know. And it's funny now, like across my um, Instagram and Facebook, I've got like over forty thousand followers now, you know. Mm. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's pretty much how it all started. And um, now, you know, you look back, you're like, whoa, come come pretty far absolutely you mentioned the photos uh and that's what drew me in very early on i think initially i'd met you through basketball potentially uh and then i kept seeing your photos pop up everywhere and something i love uh doing here at triple m and i've done it every day since i started here is share a photo of Caratha or the Pilbara because it's such a magical spot and we've shared so many photos of yours and I'm always thankful for you for posting them because <laughs> uh, you capture some incredible stuff out there. But over the last 10 years, what sort of changed and evolved in your tourism business as far as the offerings? Like, has it changed dramatically and what are you finding people are most sort of interested in experiencing? Yeah, so um, like I, I do it like 
you go on my website, there's, there's a lot of options there. But my options were even more. And so what I've done is streamline more of the tours. And I used to do like four-hour rock art tour. I found out it's, it's too long even for me. And I've shortened it to two hours. Um, and I like I find two hours is perfect for, for the way we deliver it. Um, you know, Mac do a rock art tour and they do a shorter one for people who maybe don't have as much time or um, and because we charge more than them. Um, but, you know, we can because we've won lots of awards. So people who want a cheap option, they can go with them. But if they want a more fuller sort of experience, they come with us. And, um, yeah, I, I used to take people to more rock art sites, mm-hmm. you know, back back when I first was starting out. But then I, now I'm just like, oh, we'll just go to Nganjali, you know, Deep Gorge, um, because the facilities are there. It's easy. People can meet you there. And in the past, I actually used to drive people around in my vehicle. But because there's a lot of... Um, licensing you have to get around that so now i don't do that anymore because it's just stuff that i don't necessarily need Mm -hmm. but um what's super popular with people is the four-wheel drive tag-alongs as well especially with locals and you know when we get the wet season and you've probably Mm -hmm. seen a lot of my wet season stuff it just makes people want to get out but a lot of people don't know where to go so they they come on tours with me because they're like oh this bloke he knows where everything is yeah some people try to squeeze the, the secret spots out of me, but it's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as far as what surprises people, I guess I'd like to know, if, if they come on a, uh experience with you and maybe they've maybe this is their first um, stuff of going on land and, and, and having a taste of Indigenous culture, uh, is there something that sort of surprises them the most, do you think, about when they come to the Pilbara? I think they're just blown away by the history. Mm. Like, if if you think about it, my, my family have been here for more than 3,000 generations, wow. you know? And um, just, it's really difficult for people to comprehend that, that we've got stories from the times when our ancestors were walking with megafauna mm. and, you know, living alongside them. And, you know, just recently they found those giant wombats down yeah. the road and, Dubalay Creek, it's stuff like that, you know, like those finds are significant, but it's not really new to us, you know, like, like oh, yeah, we, we always knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got rock art of the things, you know. So when you go out and you take people and you show them the rock art and, you know, where our people have been and all the areas we've traversed, how much uh, knowledge we have of waterholes and stuff like that and, you know, and because we're a coastal mob too, you know, we, we know all the areas out on the islands and along the coastline. People are just blown away by all of that, that knowledge. And that's just accumulated knowledge from many, many generations passed down to us, you know. And um, people are like, how do you store all the stuff in your head? It's like, I don't know, just it's just taught like that from a young age, you know. So it, I think, uh, and the way our culture works is even though things aren't written down, it's it's a system that we have in place that enables you to learn mm-hmm. so that when you when you do learn it you have all that knowledge at your disposal and you know how to access like these files basically from within your head hmm. about oh yep there's this hill this is a story about that hill oh also by the way not far from there you got rock art and oh there's a waterhole over here or oh, if you, while you're there you can find this sort of bush tucker or whatever you know mm-hmm. so it, it's like a place triggers memories triggers knowledge and um i think i think that's probably what blows people away the most so question on that how how 
as you mentioned, it's been passed down to you. So growing up as a youngster, when did this first sort of start for you? And, and who were the sort of main voices that were telling and, and figures in your life telling you and sharing this knowledge with you? This pretty much the moment I could, I think I, the moment I was able to fathom information. Right. Um, it's just been in, in me since yep. my whole life. And um, I... Because of because of my family's history in the Pilbara, like um, we spent a lot of time, you know, especially in the last hundred hundred odd years, working on stations as a people, and you know, there's a lot of um, controversy around all of that. But what it meant was that our people were still connected to our country while they were on stations, and then throughout my life, um, um, I spent a lot of time growing up on sheep stations. A lot of people don't know that. We had sheep stations around here too, you know. Yep. And I spent, uh, yeah, pretty much big chunk of my young life working on these stations. And it's by being on these stations, I found that oh yeah, while we're out doing a job, fencing or mustering or whatever it was, um, trapping dingoes and stuff like that, we go out and elders are like, oh, while we're here, uh, there's we'll we'll teach you about these places, you know, right. these sites. Yeah. And Oh, oh, this, like my mum, I remember we used to, because when you're in the bush, you don't have much stuff, you know, and it's just hard to carry everything around. So like, oh, while we're here, here's some bush medicine, you know, if you cut yourself or whatever. So they'd show you these things. Oh, you kids, you need to have a bath. Oh, we forgot the soap, you know. Well, come down here, there's a tree we can use, you know, and they show you how to use bush soap, stuff like that. And so you just pick it up. Because it's what you're learning, it's what you're seeing, it's what you're exposed to from a young age. And then it just becomes part of what you know. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you're older, you're like, oh, actually, come with me, I'll show you something, yeah. you know. And, and then when it comes to the tourism, then you're like, you've got all this accumulated knowledge that you just take for granted. Mm. But then it, it just made me realize when I left this area and I went and visited other places and meeting other indigenous peoples, um, who never grew up the same way that I grew up, knowing as much as I've learnt throughout my life, you know. Um, I, it, it made me feel super privileged that I had access to my family, to our knowledge and all of our ancient traditions. And, and, and there's a revival in other places where they're bringing it back, you know. Mm-hmm. But when I first met some of these people who are my age, they're like, oh, we don't even know how to speak our language, you know. And I grew up speaking my language, mm-hmm. you know, knowing the names of places and things within our own language. And so... Um, yeah, like it's 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 pretty amazing when you think about it. Now, as far as um, for you then, like obviously you're sharing the knowledge with people that come on the tours. Uh, I know you've got a couple of boys. Are you talking to them constantly as well? Oh, yeah, yep. So like we'll have our days where I'll tell the boys like, come on, let's go for a drive. Uh, there's something I want to show you. And then we'll go out to a place um, – and I'll teach them stuff from that area, and they could be learning from someone else as well. But I said, while you're here, I know something about this area, and I'll show you. <clears throat> and so, same thing, like when I was growing up, you'd go out with different family, different, well, they're all, like, all my people are my family, you know, but we've got your immediate family and you've got extended family. So you're not always with your immediate family when you go out bush, so you're with mm-hmm. the extended family. And when you're with them, and, and that's really good too because you build a relationship with other people from within your extended family, and then you find that people all have their own bit of like specialised knowledge. Mm-hmm. 
And so for you, as a person, if you want to know more about your culture, you can't just learn it from your own direct family. You, you've got to expand that knowledge by going out and being with others, you know, from within your tribe. And that's what I did over the years, like, because I come from two groups, you know, Ngaruma and the Indiamundi. So I learn um, as much as I can about both sides of my, my family heritage, you know. Um, and then I've got other connections throughout the Pilbara where I've learnt a few things here and there, you know, growing up as well. Um, but it, it's just, it it's really important, and, and this this is for, you know, the other Aboriginal people, who whoever's listening, is that, you know, don't just listen to one group of people because other people have really interesting knowledge and don't just listen to your own tribe, speak to people outside of. Mm. And this goes for all, all the Australians and visitors who are coming. Like, just because you do something with me doesn't necessarily, you know, Aboriginal culture, yeah. you know. Go out see all the other people from different parts of Australia and you'll learn something different. There, there might be some things that are sort of common between us, you know, but there are things that are really specific to the regions that you visit, you know, and, and that's the same within the Pilbara. Um, so, like, for me, tourism is great because if if there's another tour operator in another area, I'm not going to tell people, oh, don't go visit them because you've done stuff. I was like, I encourage them to go mm. on other tours. Like, well, since you're going up this way, I know some people over there, jump on a tour with them and you'll learn heaps about that area, you know? Now, this, um, it fascinates me because my daughter's going to school here. And uh, she's getting knowledge, right, of uh, Indigenous cultures and, and Aboriginal stories and whatnot. And it's such a contrast to how I grew up in rural Victoria. Uh, I didn't know anything. And I feel like I wasn't really taught basically anything in, until I came to Karatha. Um, uh, how, how do you see things um, progress? Are, are we on a better path now to educate white Australia about Indigenous issues and, and stories? Is that, it seems like it's... Yeah, progressed, right? Yeah, it has. Um, it definitely has, and you'll find. I think the schools across you know the nation um, are engaging more and more with um, Aboriginal culture, and 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 it's really important. Some some people are like, oh, why why should we learn Aboriginal culture? Why should we learn Aboriginal languages and stuff like that? You know, it's like it's actually really important. If you want to understand Australia better, who else but to learn from the people who know it better than everybody else? You know, and what. What scientists are doing, you know, archaeologists, for example, um, and and others, they know that Aboriginal people were there when these things happened in the past. So unlike places like in Egypt and other parts of the world where those people no longer are there who can tell you what life was like, we're here, you know. So we're like, oh, yeah, we, we, we knew all about giant kangaroos and emus and all that megafauna stuff. We'll show you rock art of them and we've got stories about them and so on. And so when when scientists you know discover these things they're like well these mob already knew about so and they understand the behavior of the animal because that was taught through the generations even though you know if you think about it we didn't have to there was no need for us to carry that information but we thought oh yeah it's still important because it was important to our ancestors you know Mm. so let's keep that knowledge alive because you never know might we might need it one day and you know today is the day you know (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's, it's stuff like that, that, that children are learning and that Western science is kind of catching up to where we're gelling and Aboriginal culture benefits from science because it backs up the things we've always said, Mm. you know? Um, and, and that's the part I really love. Um, and for like, for example, another thing around here is 
our people have always said, oh, you know, the islands were never islands before. There used to be hills and ranges and we used to live out there. And then just recently, you know, they've been finding lots of underwater artifacts and underwater springs where our ancestors used to used to live and stuff, you know. So it's like same thing, science is backing up our ancient knowledge. Yeah, it's merging together. Yeah. yeah. Like a jigsaw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so if if you think about that then from, from an education point of view, rather than like learning about Mayans and um, the Aztecs and Egyptians and others, it's still good to know all that stuff. But here's something that's within Australia that's even older, more ancient. If you want to talk about ancient history, you know, our history goes back 60, 70, 80,000 years or whatever it is, you know, and, and that's just a lot of stuff that can help today, especially if, you know, they talk about climate change and things. We've lived through lots of different mm. climate changes in our history and it's recorded in our knowledge that we pass down. So there's a lot of things that we can learn, you know, as a, as a people today. Um, all across this great nation. And me, I'm more than willing to share our knowledge if it means it. it's helping, you know, us grow together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, question for the future. 10 years, let's let's scan ahead 10 years, right, to, for the Pilbara and Karratha. Where do you see tourism sort of being? Obviously, we've got potentially the uh, World Heritage listing of, of, of the borough um, and uh, Mac are looking to do, you know, open up some of the, the islands and, and, and the jump up and whatnot. Are we heading in a good direction with tourism? Yeah, I, I think we really are. I think... Um you know, once once we have World Heritage listing, that'll just change the dynamic of the area. Like it'll it'll mean that tourism will will just increase significantly here. So if if I mean that's why I got into tourism because I I, I was looking at you know the the big picture the the long game because if we can set up tourism now, you know. In a hundred years' time, in fifty years' time, or whenever a time when when mining and resources dries up in the region, we've still got something there where we can fall mm. back onto as well. You know, as as a people, especially if you consider my people, we're not going to move anywhere. You know, this is our country. We have a responsibility to be here to look after our heritage. You know, and um, it means that for us, if we can build tourism now, it means we've got an industry there to look after our people. You know, come you know years down the track. But I think with what Mac are doing, um, opening up Konzink Bay and, and that part of Murujuga, I think that's a great thing because, like, there, there were people who were complaining about the jump-up, you know, it's no longer going to be a jump-up and stuff. But one of the things, us as, as Aboriginal people, from our perspective, is that when people were going up to the jump-up prior, there was no controls in no, place. Nothing. Yeah. Pe- people could just go anywhere they wanted. And unfortunately, they were actually accessing places and sites that, that without even realising, they were doing damage to and places that they shouldn't be from a cultural perspective, you know, because we have men's areas, women's areas, and we, we, we really, really respect that, you know, so that, um, and, and that's the sort of things we want to teach people. And the other part of it too, and, and a lot of people don't realise, is that Murajuga itself, it was taken away from us as a people, you know, our people were massacred out there. And it meant that we couldn't live there anymore because it, if you stayed there, you got killed. You know, that was that was the reasoning. So our people, when we finally came back, um, we wanted to establish our roots again, you know, to, to our home that's been our home for many generations. 
and now that we're there and we're out and we're doing these things, you know, um, we want people to be able to respect us in that way because it was a place that was literally taken from us. Um, um, and, and that's part of the things that I do is, is teach people, you know, the harsh realities of our history, but do it in a way that people can be empathetic about and, and, and you know, um, understand that it wasn't them that did these things, but we all have a responsibility to learn about it. And if we learn about it, we can, we can, we can work better together. Yeah. Absolutely. Moving ahead, uh, Clendon, what, what's next for you and what's next for the business? Well, immediately, um, I've got plans like to grow my business, um, so that I can, you know, get ready. Cause once cruise ships and stuff like that mm. come in, we're going to need more people to be able to work in the tourism, but I, I want to be able to do a few other things in, in some other spaces um, in terms of business. But just in the immediate future, <clears throat> I'm hoping to win a national award because I haven't won one yet. And so pretty sure it's going to be in Darwin. And the first time I went to national awards was in Darwin. So maybe I come back full circle and I go over there and <laughs> win a bloody national award. That would be nice. <laughs> And that'll just be the cherry on top for us, you know. And a lonely planet right up. I'm the, positive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't don't worry. They're coming to me now. So. <laughs> uh, well, Clinton, I really appreciate you coming in, and uh, congratulations once again on the awards. And uh, thanks for sharing your story today on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us, mate, and uh, really appreciate you giving us this space to be able to talk about things. From round the corner to your street and neighbourhood. This is Pablo for breakfast. Triple A.